Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. $5 million for reparations in San Francisco? Speech crimes? And who put Joe Biden in front of a damn microphone again? I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Patrick Oney. This is Critical Thinking, and that means one thing and one thing only, Pat. It's a WTF Wednesday. Yes, indeed, it is a WTF Wednesday on the program. I am Andrew Coppins. He is Pat Oni. You can follow at the Coppins Show or at the Pat Oni Show on your favorite uh, platforms. Instagram, it's at Critical Thinking Show. So there's no confusion as to uh, who I am and and who the show is. So uh, we have a lot to get into. Um, It's a WTF Wednesday, and I can't think of anything more WTF than both Joe Biden and Donald Trump deciding to speak. just please both of you go away that that that's kind of where i'm at right now pat so we'll talk about that and we have plenty more in the wtf segment but before we get into all of that i think we have to address something that has come out in the last uh, maybe 48 hours or so that we just hadn't been able to get to mainly because we didn't have a show yesterday due to technical issues that were out of our control but hey whatever floats our boat here um, thankfully we don't have, you know, uh, a radio deadline to get in front of. Um, so that being said, um, big story, San Francisco, their two and a half year long journey, their sojourning has ended Pat for the reparations committee. Come again. Mm-hmm. The San Francisco Reparations Committee has decided to release a report on its recommendations for reparations for the descendants of black slaves. Nope, 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 not those people. Anybody who's black, Pat, anybody. So so if you were Barack Obama, I'm going to set this up, okay? If you were Barack Obama and you called San Francisco home, okay, for a certain amount of time, and we'll get into the details of it, Mm -hmm. your father voluntarily came from Africa here, right? Your mother is a Hawaiian native, therefore an American citizen. Uh Uh-huh. You literally had nothing to do with slavery unless your father's descendants were part of the people who sold people into slavery. Uh-huh. You would be eligible for your $5 million reparations payment. Wait a minute. Is this $5 million total or is this $5 million per person? $5 million per person. So let, let, let's get into this. <clears throat> a San Francisco City Committee, according to ABC 15 News, has recommended paying each eligible black resident $5 million worth of reparations. 
The 15-member San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee, established in December of 2020, submitted a draft reparations plan last month to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, including the proposed amount. Now, even ABC 15, ABC, notes this. Even though California was never officially a slave state, the committee argued that both the state and the city of San Francisco have perpetuated the tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systemic repression, and um, put that white supremacy talk into the back of your brain, because that's coming up next, by the way. The draft explains this. Reparations are being demanded by members of the black African-American communities not to remedy enslavement, but to address the public policies explicitly created to subjugate black people in San Francisco by upholding and expanding the intent and legacy of chattel slavery. While neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted the institution of chattel slavery, the tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systemic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial enforcement. Now, I want to address this up front. Of course, slavery, period, point blank, by the way, period, point blank, is wrong. It is immoral. It is unjustifiable. It is wrong. It is a sin. Okay? Period, point blank. It doesn't matter if it's a white person enslaving a black person or vice versa or wait for this, Pat. Literally, the West African tribes who took upon themselves in the six, the 15, 16, and 1700s to do what, Pat? To exist, to, to create war, enslave fellow Africans to profit. They literally made war to enslave to profit. Also, all of the Asian people who have done this, all of the Hispanic people who have done this to each other and to other people, all of humanity has engaged in slavery at one point in time, including right now, today, by the way. It is wrong, it is bad, and it is immoral. Couldn't be any clearer on this, right? But I want, I want to address this point up front, because if they're, they are to suggest right, as they do, that it's about uh, codified through legal, extra-legal actions, social codes, judicial enforcement. What about the Hispanic people who had this happen to them in California? What about the Irish population, which had this happen to them when they came over as immigrants, and all of the extra-legal, legal, social codes in which they they were put at the lowest of the lowest rung. They were made to be social pariahs. Why? Because they were simply Catholic. What about the the Jewish population, right? What about what about the Quaker populations or the um the Mennonite or Amish populations in which um legal codes have been used against them? What about any population ever? Should this if this is your argument? I'm owed $5 million, Pat. 
you're owed $5 million because your family is, is Irish of Irish descent, right? They came over from Ireland at one point in time, right? Yes. Well, some of them, yes. Okay. So here's the rub, right? Uh, no, I'm not owed a damn thing. And why? Not because I'm white. Not because of my skin color or anything else. I'm not owed a damn thing because nobody that lives here in America today did anything to oppress me. And by the way, I have done nothing to oppress you. This is insane on its face. The argument is insane because if we apply the code, Pat, apply the standard that they're attempting to twist themselves into knots to get to you and I, every single person who has ever come here. And by the way, if you were German, right? Holy hell. If you came here from Italy in the late 1800s, early 1900s, ask anybody about their experience in New York City at the time. You want to talk about oppression? You want to talk about um, extrajudicial and social code? There's a reason why Cosa Nostra exists in America. It exists because it became a protection for that community while they were being oppressed by politicians who believed them to be not white enough, quote unquote. You want to go down this road? It's insane. Thoughts, Pat? Well, I was going to make a joke about, uh, well, why don't we just come black, move to San Francisco for a little bit, get our $5 million, move out, you know. My, my, my question, though, my ultimate question is this. Where's the money coming from? I'm glad you asked because there's more to this, Pat. Like, like there's still more. It's not just about a $5 million payment. Oh, I... Somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> but as ABC 15 notes, besides the one-time lump sum payment of $5 million to eligible residents, the draft also recommends that all low-income black residents be supplemented enough money to reach the area's median income, which was $97,000 in 2022. Oh, oh but Pat, I'm still not done. <clears throat> racial disparities across all metrics have led to a significant racial wealth gap in the city of San Francisco, a rationale for the action states. By elevating income to match AMI, black people can better afford housing and achieve a better quality of life. Now, there is no denying that there is a gap in income, okay? There is an absolute gap in income between white residents and black residents. That is across the board here in America. However, when you also account for all of the government subsidies and all the things, the gap goes from about 17 to 1, by the way, which is, which is this statistical reality of just the basic income. Okay? That is a gap. It's a significant gap. It goes down to like 3 to 1. When you include all of the benefits from both 
racial sides of things. So the gap is very much not significant at that point in time. Okay, so it depends on how you look at that. There's no denying that there is a gap. We can argue over why that gap still exists and, and how to combat that gap. I would argue that culture plays a large part in that. And, and we have talked about the de-emphasization uh, of the culture within that black community on education, on STEM, on anything that would provide you with a you are looked down upon the the absolute cultural force that it that comes down upon you when you're quote unquote smart in that community. I've seen it. You see it every single day. You see the bullying that goes on in schools here in Chicago for daring to to do different and be different. Because being different in that realm means actually caring about getting an education in a large swath. So could we change culture? Can we do all those things? Of course, blah, 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 blah. But beyond that, Pat, it also recommends a city finance debt forgiveness program. Quote, black households are more likely to hold costlier, riskier debt and are more likely to have outstanding student loan debt. The committee's draft plan argues when this is combined with lower household incomes, it can create an inescapable cycle of debt. Eliminating this debt gives black households an opportunity to build wealth. And again, I, I will stipulate this. There have been predatory lending practices in the past, right? We know this. The redlining, right, of housing. We know the, the predatory nature of payday loans uh, affecting this community in a great way and all of those things. I can definitely stipulate that. But we also have free will in this country, Pat. And it is upon you to educate yourself it is upon you to figure this out. Why is it why is it that group it's the same argument with with student loan debt writ large. The answer is not just wiping it clean. The answer is education that allows the the next group of people coming up to not go through this. The education, the financial literacy that doesn't exist in large swaths of the inner city of San Francisco, L.A., pick a city. And we also see so many black people go on the radio or go on television or whatever and talk about a very simple fact. They would rather spend $2,000 on the new Air Jordan sneaker collection for the year than spend and then save $2,000 to build themselves some sort of wealth to build themselves uh, a down payment on a new home or the second home, right? That they can now use as an income driver for their themselves and their family. But, but we're supposed to subsidize this, right? Now, uh, under the proposal, San Francisco residents, you might be asking who the hell gets this, right? They have to be at least 18 years old and have identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. So Rachel Dole's is all. <laughs> now, they have to apply for the one-time lump sum payment. Um, 
and other reparation recommendations. Recommendations. Applicants must also meet two additional criteria from a list that includes being born in or migrating to San Francisco between 1940 and 1996. Plus, they have to have proof of San Francisco residency for the last 13 years. So wait a minute. You have to have proved that you were identified as black or African-American for 10 years, but you have had to have lived in San Francisco for 13, also be 18 years old. You also could have attended a segregated San Francisco public school, having a direct descendant of somebody incarcerated by the failed war on drugs, Pat. And that's just a few of the eight different criteria that you have to meet two of. Yes, you've had your hand up for a while. Isn't that discriminatory? Because what if I identify as black and what if i identify as living in san francisco and being a san francisco resident they 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 literally put that in there pat if you have identified as such for at Mm. least 10 years on public documents okay so so if you don't if you haven't identified for 10 years it's not discriminatory they're putting an arbitrary uh cutoff point which you have to do in there it's not discriminatory pat Get off of your racist white horse. But 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 this whole thing is racist. It's not just racist, by the way. It is economically insane. And mm-hmm, it sets mm-hmm. a this sets a precedent that I, I don't think anybody wants to go down because okay, my oppression of the people you know. I was my people were oppressed when they came here. They were mightily poor and dug themselves out to the point in which my grandmother was a business owner, to which multiple people in my family own businesses now. Great, grand, wonderful. That's great. That's the American story. Guess what also happens in the African American or black community today, right? People who were descendants of slaves own businesses and are multi billionaires and millionaires. We all have an equal opportunity at success. Now, that doesn't mean that we start from the same point. It means that as an individual, I have the ability, should I determine to do so for myself, to overcome obstacles, to overcome things that might be thrown in my way, right? Every single individual's life is different. Every single individual does not have the same obstacles, understood. Every single person does not start at the very bottom of the rung. Some people start at the top of the rung, but guess what? You know how many people who've started at the top of the rung end up losing that million dollar top of the rung? 80% of them do, by the way. There's no guarantee of success in life. None. In the suggestion that somebody who is a descendant, we're not even talking about right now, if you are a descendant of slavery, okay, you would be the fifth or sixth generation. And furthermore, 
let's let's extend all of this talk out, Pat. Let's extend it out further because I have a question: Who in the hell should be paying for this? The residents of San Francisco, the residents of the United States of America. What about the people of Great Britain who brought slavery upon the United States of America vis-a-vis colonialism? Oh, and then what about the Native Americans who enslaved each other for literally tens of thousands of years? To the point now, Pat, where I don't know if you saw this, this really cool piece of news that came out of the archaeological world over the last week. There was a there were a there was a cache of spears found uh, somewhere out west. I forget exactly where, but I want to say Montana, but I don't know for sure. Um, there was a cache of prehistoric weaponry found there, dating back as far as twelve to sixteen thousand years ago, and those spears were also related to spears found in Japan and other East Asian countries. Which gives rise to what? Even more credence to the concept of that land bridge from Russia to Alaska having existed. So the Native American isn't really even a Native American. They were just the first to be able to find it. That doesn't make you Native right? Any more so than anybody else, but even regardless of all of that. So should we, should we, should we go all the way back to the original sin of slavery and those direct descendants are the ones paying you the $5 million? And why $5 million? Why that lump sum payment? More importantly, why the elimination of your own personal choices well, 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 financial illiteracy in the community. Right, exactly. You know how many financially illiterate white people exist in this country? You know how many financially illiterate Latinos and, and Asian people live in this country? A lot. And I'm not even talking about high level, how do you go from having zero dollars and being able to to buy a multifamily unit, right? A uh, multifamily home at $1.5 million with literally this amount of money. I'm not even talking about that level. I'm talking about the very basics. Where does this come from? At what point does somebody say enough is enough? Now, I would suggest that the enough is enough point would be, okay, if you were the, the group who did it, <laughs> Or the very direct descendant, like the next level, right? The the sons and daughters. Perhaps I could explore that. Because you were alive and participatory in that event. You would have had to have been. Now you get to the grandsons and granddaughters and all of that. Oh God, I just gendered people. No, thank you. They didn't... I. No, I didn't have anything to do with that. In fact, I can again, I can continue to make the argument that my people were also oppressed, right? And I'm not talking about white people. I am talking about my Irish heritage, my German heritage. Okay? Those people came to America and were highly oppressed when they first got here. 
to which they committed and put together, you know, little enclave communities. Why? Because of that oppression, right? The integration of those communities didn't happen until it was basically forced upon them. When they, you know, literally in some cases fought and bled for that integration. Stupid. Where do we go, Pat? I mean, what level? Whom is responsible for making these $5 million payments? Oh, this is going to come from the San Francisco government, which is already cash-strapped, billions of dollars in debt? Modern monetary theory. (laughs) Uh, I want my $5 million. That's exactly where I come down on this. I'm like, I I want my $5 million. Because I'm sure I could find somewhere in my heritage where I where I have oppression. I mean, I have I'm I'm of Irish descendants as well. Look at, so look, I mean, look at the oppression of the Mormon people, right? Right. Well, I mean, I didn't grow up. Well, hey, like hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? None of the people that are alive today grew up as a slave. Right. Well, okay. And very few, I would argue, less than ten percent grew up during Jim Crow. Like, as in, right. and, and oh by and, and oh by the way, Jim Crow was yes. Some of the tenets of it existed in California. There's no doubt about that. I mean, just look at Kamala Harris's story, right? Right. And the in, she was the first to integrate the Berkeley School District. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. But the vast majority of people who would have been adults during that time are likely dead or hanging on by a thin thread today. Because we're talking about, <clears throat> you know what? We're talking about 80-some-odd years later. And oh, by the way, Pat, don't forget the state of California also has its task force on reparations recommending uh, the payout of $569 billion total or $223,200 per person. So you'll be $5.2 million ahead of me, Pat. If you're Because why not? Because why not? But we're not done. We're not done with the insanity here yet. Because Democratic Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Houston introduced a bill this week seeking to criminalize and prosecute any white supremacist-inspired hate crimes. Remember, I told you to put that white supremacy idea in the back of your head. Now, let's bring it to the forefront. House Bill H.R. 61 says it is to, quote, prevent and prosecute white supremacy-inspired hate crime and conspiracy to commit white supremacy-inspired hate crimes and to amend Title 18 U.S. Code to expand the scope of hate crimes. The short title of the bill is Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023. Now, You might suggest this would be insane, right, Pat? A little bit, yeah. Well, if you were going on Twitter over the last 48 hours, you might have seen a few people tweeting out that this literally makes it a crime to hear, not just speak, but hear 
somebody do something racist. So I thought to myself, hmm, is that true? Right? Because Twitter is telling me there's context to it and nuance to it. I I'm going to let you listen to the entirety of the bill, Pat. It's not that long. In the House of Representatives, January 9th of 2023, Ms. Jackson Lee introduced the following bill referred to the Committee on the Judiciary. So it's a uh, in committee. To prevent and prosecute white supremacy-inspired hate crime and conspiracy to commit white supremacy-inspired hate crime and to amend Title 18 U.S. Code to expand the scope of hate crimes, be it enacted by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled. It goes into the short title like the uh, the thing noted. Section 2 of the bill, white supremacy-inspired hate crime. A, in general, a person engaged in white supremacy-inspired hate crime when white supremacy ideology has motivated the planning, development, preparation, or perpetuation of actions that constituted a crime or were undertaken in furtherance of activity that, if effectuated, would have constituted a crime. So we are now talking about pre-crime, Pat. Now, it defines conspiracy in Section B. A conspiracy to engage in white supremacy-inspired hate crime shall be determined to exist, one, between two or more persons engaged in the planning, development, perpetuation, uh, or preparation or perpetuation of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime, or two, between two or more persons that, A, at least one of whom, at least one, is engaged in the planning, development, preparation, or perpetuation of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime, and B, at least one of whom published material advancing white supremacy, white supremacist ideology, antagonism based on replacement theory, or hate speech that vilifies or is otherwise directed against any non-white person or group, and such published material was published on a social media platform or by other means of publication with the likelihood that it would be viewed by persons who are predisposed to engaging in any action in furtherance of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime, or who are susceptible to being encouraged to engage in actions in furtherance of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime. The third part of subsection B, could, as determined by a reasonable person, motivate actions by a person predisposed to engaging in white supremacy-inspired hate crimes, or by a person who is susceptible to being encouraged to engage in actions relating to a white supremacy-inspired hate crime. And further, subsection 3, was read, heard, or viewed by a person who engaged in the planning, development, preparation, or perpetuation of a white supremacy-inspired hate crime. Now, here's the problem I have with this. Number one, this is a violation of free speech, even though I am, I abhor that type of speech, right? Right. This is a violation of that, a very violation of it. Secondly, secondly, if I, what this is telling me when you read the text of this patent, tell me if I'm bat nuts crazy on this. It is saying, if I were to say something on Twitter that somebody else were to interpret one other way and it was inspirational to them, I'm now part of a conspiracy to commit a hate crime? 
That's what it's telling me. Because it doesn't take two people to engage in direct contact with each other to say, I hate this person or this group or this group should die or that group should die and and white power, right? Doesn't doesn't take two people to interact. It takes one person to take something and make it something else. And suddenly I am now in trouble for that. I am now legally liable according to this draft resolution, House Bill 61. But there's still more because there's a section B or subsection, section two, subsection uh, C, Department of Justice, Authority, Enforcement, Monitoring, and Reporting. The department shall have the authority to conduct operations and activities pursuant to this section, specifically, number one, with regard to information or evidence obtained by the department of any action cited in this section. The department shall have the authority to investigate, intercede, and undertake other actions that it deems necessary and appropriate to interdict, mitigate, or prevent such such action from culminating in violent activity. Number two, the department shall have the authority to prosecute persons who engage in actions cited in the section. And three, the Uniform Crime Reporting Program in the Department of Justice shall maintain records of white supremacy-inspired hate crimes and related actions cited in this section. Now, you might say, what is going to happen to you? Well, Section 249, Subsection A, uh, number one of the Title 18 United States Code is amended, number one, in the matter preceding subparagraph A, by inserting after race, color, religion, or national origin of any person to the following, or because of a white supremacy-based motivation against any person. It's already in there, number one. That, that already exists because you are doing something based off of somebody's race, color, religion, national origin. How about the Nation of Islam, the 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 new black panther party who commit racial crimes I, I, we're we're only calling this out number 2 in subparagraph b in clause 1 by striking or at the end of it in clause 2 by striking the period and inserting uh semicolon or and by adding at the end of the following quote the offense was in furtherance of a white supremacy based motivation Yes, Pat. You, I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts. Well, first of all, I think you and I agree white 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 supremacy is wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, isn't black supremacy also wrong? Correct. Racism is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yet this is racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, if if I'm also going, if, if all I have to do is hear that kind of speech to, you know, accuse someone of a crime, um, what about Joe Biden? What about Sheila Jackson Lee, for that matter? What about, I mean, pick, pick your person in, in, in politics at this point on the left that has been arguing for this for however long 
I guarantee you find something within their background at this point that suggests this kind of behavior or this kind of language. So, and secondly, or, or thirdly at this point, if I'm having a private conversation with somebody mm-hmm. and someone happens to overhear that private conversation and something that was said that might be interpreted as being a little off color. Yep. I could get in trouble for that. That's crazy. I mean, it's not just I crazy, mean, Pat. I, I want you to, to hear this too, because I saw this online. Okay. Uh, somebody had tweeted, I think it was Jake Shields had tweeted this out. Sheila Jackson Lee introduced a bill where white people can be charged with a hate crime for criticizing not white people. It doesn't define what perpetuation, right? What What is the definition of that? Do you define right. the terms so that we understand what you're actually talking about? This is as broad as humanly possible, okay? Mm-hmm. This whole thing is insane. Will it likely go anywhere? No. Probably but this is, this is where the radical left is today, okay? The, I want you to understand this. They, they're not even on one hand, Pat. They're they're simply sitting there telling us we have to pay for the sins of not our fathers, right? Which is also immoral, by the way. Not Read the damn Bible. Okay. But, yeah. So the, the 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 sons do not pay for the sins of the father, by the way. That's that's literally in both the old and new testament of the Bible. Okay. <clears throat> so we have that. But they're asking us to pay for the sins of our great, 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 great grandfathers who, oh, by the way, I wasn't even here when that happened. And more importantly, they weren't. Some of my direct descendants were still in Ireland. Some of them didn't even come over until, wait for it, Pat, the civil freaking war itself. I mean, you're right. This isn't going to go anywhere. There's no way this goes anywhere. But the thing is, the radical left, I mean, they're not even hiding this crap anymore. If they had their druthers, they would definitely do this. But on Twitter, Pat, on Twitter, right? I just read you the bill. Jake Shields is telling us on Twitter two days ago, right? Sheila Jackson Lee introduced a bill where white people can be charged with a hate crime for criticizing non-white people. All races are equal, but some are more equal than others. Twitter has decided to do what? Put context on the tweet, noting that the Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023, H.R. 61, was introduced by Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee. The bill would define white supremacist-inspired hate crimes against non-white and white victims. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does not outlaw criticism of non-white people by white people. Actually, it does. Because... I don't have to have a direct line between the two. All I would have to prove according to this law is maybe somebody saw something that somebody else tweeted and was already predisposed to white supremacist violent action and looked it up. That's it. Or they create a manifesto in which they they list off like 30 people that tweeted some insane thing, right? Right, and I feel like I feel like context here would no longer matter. Not only is this bill insane, this concept 
of which that's only white supremacy, right? This is, this is nuts. Anybody who believes in any form of racial supremacy is insane. They're a terrible person. And they should go directly to hell. It's as simple as that. However, I will fight to their death to maintain their right to say whatever batshit crazy idea comes through their head. And we're going to get into batshit crazy things coming through somebody's head in a little bit because uh, somebody gave a microphone to the president of the United States on Sunday and on Monday. Um, and and, and um, nobody should ever give him a live microphone without a teleprompter. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Even then, that's not always a guarantee, though. Yeah, we're about to, to witness that. But I, I want people to understand this. They're attempting to criminalize not just speech, which is anti-First Amendment to begin with, but attempting to criminalize thought. 1984, all over again. We have literally the Ministry of Thought at this point. That's what the directive of Sheila Jackson Lee's bill would be, in essence. What, what were you thinking? And then I get to link somebody else's online activity to whatever the hell you did. What the hell is going on? How can any member of Congress, any member of Congress, seriously consider it? Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is the same Congress in which we have Mr. Guam is going to capsize and fall into the ocean. Uh, by the way, does Hank Johnson sound like the ladies' man to you, Pat, when you hear him speak? Uh... No. You don't know the ladies' man? No. Tim Meadows? 1990 SNL skit? There's a great no. movie even made about it? I am. My name is Leon Phelps, and I am the ladies' man. Yeah, that's a little before my time. Get hip to it, Pat. Check it out. Check out the movie when you get a <clears> chance. It, it, is, it is great. My name is Leon Feld. I like Cavathier. <laughs> it's great. He's like the creepy, like, uh, he plays like a public access kind of host, right? Uh -huh. He gives terrible love advice. It's fantastic. It's an absolutely oh, great boy. segment. But literally, Hank Johnson sounds like that. Hey, mm. Because I, I'm aware that uh, the FBI can plant, and the Republicans probably planted, not to mention that Guam can capsize. Capsize and, and sink into the ocean. No, no, it cannot. And it's not how this works, not how any of this works. The only way that that would happen, by the way, is if you had some way in which we just drilled right into the bedrock of Guam from both sides and just flipped it over. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure how an island comes to be, Pat, is when uh, volcanic or natural um, things in the ocean begin to build and build and build until they go what? Above the surface. Yeah. 
Yeah. Dumbass. This is one of the most dumbass things I've seen from a congressperson in my lifetime. This this bill. This is top three at at, at a bare minimum. It might be mm. number one. Might be one of the most more more racist ones in a while, too. Now, this is a WTF Wednesday, Pat. But before we get into that WTF, I have an idea. Yeah. Why don't we play the B or not the B? I think it's a great idea. With that, lay the headline on me at least one time. Meta's oversight board says company's nudity policy is bad because it makes distinction between male and female bodies. Meta's oversight board says the company's nudity policy is bad because it makes distinction between male and female bodies. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. And while you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, it's getting harder and harder to find companies that provide products and services that no longer or that just that don't insult you, period. That don't care about your politics, that don't care about what, what your personal beliefs are. They just care about making a good product. However, we have found such a company, and that is Coffee Brand Coffee. If you are a coffee drinker, a tea drinker, or even just a hot chocolate drinker, this is definitely for you. I like the hot chocolate this time of year, especially when it's cold and snowy and stuff outside. Uh, my my wife's also a big hot chocolate drinker. Um, but you know, Andrew Andrew's got you know some salted caramel, I believe. Or excuse me, salted caramel, I believe, in his <laughs> coffee this morning. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, so all you need to, and by the way, everything is freshly uh, roasted and packaged and shipped directly to you. Um, making for a very very good product so from the great state of utah by the way yeah they are they are actually they're located in i believe in farmington correct um in that in which case by the way folks all you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com use the promo code critical thinking at checkout doesn't matter where you are in the country they will ship it to you coffeebrandcoffee.com use the promo code critical thinking at checkout and get five percent off your purchase today all right. Meta's oversight board says company's nudity policy is bad because it makes distinction between male and female bodies. Andrew Coppins, is this the B or not the B? This is in an impossible situation, but I'm going to go with not the B simply because you used Meta. I feel the Babylon B doesn't really do that all that often. Uh-huh. Um, so I am definitely going to go with not the B on this because we live in this most insane world ever. Are you sure? No. Well, I mean, your instincts are correct, so uh, this is not the B. Just what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to believe that there was a time when Facebook was a cute little networking website and Instagram was a fun photo sharing app. Now it's come to this um, from uh, Seth Dillon on Twitter. Facebook has a common sense nudity policy that makes a distinction between male and female bodies. The oversight board thinks it's confusing and subjective and needs to change. So this is a a memo from the oversight board, which says, greetings. Today, the board overturned Meta's original decision to remove two posts depicting transgender and non-binary people 
with bare chests and recommended recommended that Meta change its rules on adult nudity and sexual activity so that they are governed by international human rights standards. Meta's adult nudity and sexual activity policy prohibits images containing female nipples other than the specified other than specified circumstances such as medical and health contexts. However, these restrictions are extensive and confusing, particularly as they are as they apply to transgender and non-binary people. The policy is also based in a on a binary view of gender and distinction between male and female bodies. This makes it unclear how rules apply uh, to intersex, non-binary, and transgender people and requires reviewers to make rapid subjective assessments of sex and gender. The board has recommendations to better ensure that users are treated without discrimination on the basis of gender or, or, or sex or gender. This includes defining clear rights, respecting criteria to govern adult nudity and sexual activity policy. (sighs) A lot of of word vomit there. Yeah, a lot of word vomit. I'm not even going to touch it with a 10-foot pole because (laughs) guess what, Pat? It is also time for us to do what? WTF Wednesday, bro. Correct. Now, Pat, you mentioned word vomit, and and I, I can't think of anything more word vomity than anything that the President of the United States of America says. And we debated this off air, so um, I'm just going to play this, and then we're going to debate it on air, because um, I have some serious questions. Okay. But over the course of the weekend, Joe Biden, Joseph Marinette, I mean Robinette Biden, um, went to Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, which is the church that MLK was the pastor of. MLK Jr., excuse me, was the pastor of, uh, or most famously the pastor of, and then decided to go to the National Action Network, you know, that grifter known as uh, um, the Reverend Al Sharpton, um, his organization, on Monday. At the MLK Day breakfast, right? The the annual annual event, right? In uh, somebody put him in front of a microphone at both, and uh, I'm just gonna play this. This is a compilation of moments from both of those appearances. Those are the words of Kajan Kajan Katanji Drown Jackson. Our Supreme Court Justice. And by the way, even if I didn't want to do this, I'd be in real trouble. My daughter's a social worker, and this is what she does. And so if I didn't, I'd be in real trouble with my Ashley. You got an Ashley? We got an Ashley. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Oh, no, I'm serious. And ban the number of bullets that go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that policies to emphasize de-escalation we have to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for de- with deadly force the fact is if you need to use your weapon you don't have to do that and look 
to call a fresh approach to recruit and how we recruit, how we hire, how we train, how we promote, and how we retain, retain law enforcement. Happy birthday, dear Alvin. Happy birthday to you. So, folks, if uh, if you were living under a rock, uh, Monday was also the birthday of the great, I think it was the great niece of MLK, who was at this event, and that's who they were attempting to sing happy birthday to. But Joe Biden forgot the that individual's name, and I don't know it because I don't know who the hell they were talking about. But I also wouldn't get on stage and sing happy birthday to somebody I don't know who the hell I'm talking about. That 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 was the last pat that 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 was the and by the way that's not everything that was batshit out of both of those speeches by the way. He wants to limit magazine capacity. Uh, uh, cops need to be retrained because why would you ever need to shoot somebody? When when he says limit magazine capacity, is he just talking about firing blanks? Kind of like his speech. I'm gonna leave it alone, Pat. <laughs> Not touching that. With Hunter Seriously Biden's. though. <laughs> Seriously though, like uh, what what is, what is he talking about in terms of magazine capacity? And second of all, um, have you ever spent a day on the force? Right. And then thirdly, Pat, um, we didn't even get into this. At one point in time, he, uh, again, this this video exists. I just didn't have time to put it into this because we don't have all that much time. But um, he also talked about how he would go to college and attend mass every morning at 730 during the week and then go to the black church in Delaware. <clears throat> Congregants of the time have now reported never seeing Joe Biden at their church Ever. Oh. We have... Literally, he is one of two things. So senile, he cannot function and do the functions, I should say, of his job. Okay? Either that is true, or the alternative is that he is a pathological, sociological liar. He is a sociopath. One of two things is true. Either, well, he could be a sociopath and in and mentally incompetent. I should say that. There is a third option. But I would suggest one of two things must be true. So to my leftist friends out there, riddle me this. Given all of that information that was just put out there. And oh, by the way, Ashley Biden, right? His daughter hasn't yeah. practiced social work since 2012. She's not a social worker. She hasn't so been in over years. a decade. 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Might I suggest well, you, to you that uh, you might humor the concept that this man is cognitively impaired to the point well, in which we notice, Pat, that he can't remember most things that have happened in the last decade or prior to the last decade. Do you notice well, that? Yeah, he doesn't even know who he's singing happy birthday to in the present. So no, can could I understand forgetting in the moment? 
potentially. But here's the thing. He's got a card in front of him. He's got the ability to at least look down. And as he's singing, happy birthday to you. And in his head, he's going, "Uh oh, I don't know who I'm talking about. You know, the "Uh oh moment, the the, the, uh, Carl Lewis moment when he's singing Mm -hmm. the national anthem. Right. If you're if that's what's playing in your head, look down at your notes. It's right there, pal, buddy, buckaroo. Mm-hmm. And again, he lies about Ashley. And furthermore, okay, so she's got you notice the crutch that he uses all the time too, Pat, right? Is as soon as he knows that, uh oh, I just said something absolutely batshit. No, seriously, I'm not joking. You think I'm joking. But seriously. He is either a sociopathic liar Mm. or he is mentally compromised beyond the ability to do his job. By the way, either one of them should be disqualifying for the president of the United States of America. Mm. Now, some might just say he is just a flat-out liar. That's been proven his entire life, from the moment in which he did what, Pat? Plagiarized his uh, thesis speech or thesis paper in college. He plagiarized the whole thing. Or parts of it. Mm. He has he has been a pathological liar his entire life. Now, mind you, right? This is coming in the people that are now as they watch those two speeches happen, right? The 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 seals that just clapped like a bunch of morons. (laughs) You see someone did you hear someone starting to clap during that thing? Like when he was talking about guns, like yeah, they started to clap and then they stopped. Yep. Um as they're doing that, right? Mm. These are the same people who will, in the next breath, tell you that Donald Trump is a bastard and a liar, right? Right. Okay, that might also be true. But these two, these are two people, two sides of the same coin is my argument with Biden and and um, Trump when it comes to their ability to tell the truth. They are two sides of the same coin. One just happens to be on the left and the other of the right. And I'm about to prove it to you. Because Donald Trump hasn't met an interview he doesn't like either. Right, Pat? Right. So much so that he went on a show called The Water Cooler. Yeah, let them make that decision. What, what about the safety aspect? That's what people are concerned about now. Do you have some concerns about the safety of these vaccines? Well, I always do, but you have to decide. There are the pros and cons. Uh, You could read some reports saying it was the greatest thing that's ever happened and we saved tens of millions of lives. Then you'll read other reports, you'll say there was some uh, problems with the vaccines in terms of certain things, but, but relatively small numbers. But you know, you have many reports that say the vaccine saved tens of millions of lives, that without the vaccines, you wouldn't have you know, you would have had a, a thing like we had in 1917, where perhaps 100 million people died. Yeah, got it. Hey, let me ask a question for you. Uh-huh. Um, should because um, I mean, we, we both know that that data is not even remotely correct. Right. So 
question for you uh, is is forcing people to continue to take a poisonous jab um should that be an impeachable offense yeah i mean and, and furthermore are they forcing if anybody to do it no right not anymore not anymore everything's been struck down right right okay so there you go but but there's but your answer to your question going- where I'm going with this, though, is like if if that's true, then uh, shouldn't it also be true that the person that keeps you know pushing that that jab and and touting it um, be not allowed to run for office again? I'm not allowed to what? Or alternatively, just go ahead and try to run for president and get your right. ass kicked, right? Because that's what should happen. Who who are we to tell somebody who is allowed to or not, unless it's a legal issue? Who who are we right. to tell Fair. you that? Okay. Fair enough. So so I want to go that direction. But more importantly, um this is the perpetuation of the lie that started with the people that Donald Trump decided to trust with this, right? Because later on, he brings Scott Atlas into the mix, right, to attempt to appease his base, right? He didn't listen to Scott Atlas. He listened to Fauci and Burks and and Pence and, and all of the people who got everything all the way wrong the entire time, right? Has he once said, I got something wrong? No. He will never be repentant on this issue. Never. And this is the proof of it. A hundred million people would have died. No. Why? How do we know that? It, regardless of what you believe of the vaccine, okay, or the, the therapeutic as we call it, right, regardless of what you think of that shot, okay, what we know about the disease that is COVID, right, COVID-19, what we know about it today is that it is less potent, more transmissible. It has died itself out in terms of its ability to kill vast majorities of people. And that is true of almost any virus that has variants and and subvariants and this and that, right? As you go further and further away from the origin point of the virus, it gets more and more transmissible, less and less virulent, less and less dangerous to the population writ large. To the point today, regardless of what we know or can debate about the quote-unquote efficacy of, of getting the vaccine or the therapeutic, the shot, okay? Whatever you want to believe about that, the truth of the matter is we have reduced by about, what, 10x, maybe 100x the amount of people who are dying from this? It's at least 10x, and I I believe it to be closer to 100x if I'm looking at the data correctly. Hmm. I'm not so naive to think that I, I know everything about everything. But as I critically think through this, what the hell? Oh, they're so special and great. And no, we know them. This is the point. This is the point of the lie. Like if he would just stop, right? If he were to just stop with it. Now, I will tell you this, Pat. Earlier on in this interview, he goes after the evangelical pastor crowd hard, like super hard. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, I don't know if I got that far into the the interview. Okay. So 
I don't have the video of it because I didn't have time to, to pull it up, but know this. Um, David Brody, who's the host of The Water Cooler, right? Mm-hmm. He he asked Trump about the fact that nobody in the evangelical community has come out in in vocal support of Donald Trump's candidacy to date. Do you notice that, right? I, I think we've all noticed that. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Trump accused them of disloyalty. And he makes the case that he's the most actionable pro-life president of all time. And Brody points this out. President Trump makes sense when it comes to expressing disloyalty from evangelical leaders. And I happen to agree with this. I think that Donald Trump is dead on with this. It turns out that they they were just using Donald Trump as a vessel to get what they wanted. And in return, he gets nothing other than he was, you know, elected the first time. That's it. Where's the loyalty for, hey, I delivered what I said I was going to deliver. Now you deliver for me. Where is it? It's not as if Donald Trump didn't deliver their their main talking point, right? He delivered three, count them, three Supreme Court justices that turned Roe versus Wade on its head. It is no longer the precedent of the land because it was never the law of the land, by the way. It was just the dictate from on high because there is no federal law when it comes to abortion, by the by. Nor can there be according to the Constitution unless you do a what? Amendment to the Constitution. But I digress. So Brody points that out. Their argument for him all along was based on how he kept his promises on issues important to evangelicals. What has changed? What what part of the evangelical uh, agenda did Donald Trump not deliver on? Let, let's think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Was he disloyal to them? Did he stab them? Did he pull a McConnell or a McCarthy or, <clears throat> or any of those clowns? No. Mm-hmm. I would make an argument that his belief, right, the, the pro-life um, side of this was a transactional thing for Donald Trump. I can make that argument, right? That he doesn't right. really believe in that. It is a way for him to garner that support from that base. And so do I think it is too much to ask of that base that they don't, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, on one hand, you have good Donald Trump. Right, pointing out the disloyalty of the evangelicals. And more important than the loyalty test, if you will, is the simple fact that these people, right, are supposed to, all they did was the exact same thing that they accused the left of. You got the the Robert Jeffers, right, of the world. Anybody ever heard of him beforehand? Hell to the no. Right? They used Donald Trump as that stepping stone for what? their own personal gain, their own um, name recognition. They hitched their wagon to Donald Trump. Donald Trump delivered for them. And now, see you later, because there might be a better option, one that is less um, messy for the uh, evangelical crowd. I'm I'm just going to say this, Pat. 
And and tomorrow we're going to talk about something uh, in a deep dive Thursday uh, about Mark, uh, Mark, the book of Mark chapter 12. Okay. And, and so I want you to be prepared for that in the audience because I think it's under, I think it's important to understand, but I'm going to, I'm going to be real blunt with the evangelical crowd. Okay. Jesus Christ loved the messy. Jesus Christ loved the sinners. Jesus Christ also demanded repentance of those sinners and their sin, right? We can talk all day long about all the stories that are out there. If your belief is that I'm going to hitch my wagon to somebody who can deliver my evangelical Christian belief system in a governmental form, right? I can pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. That's the 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 drum that we're going to beat to death, right? And until we get what we are looking for. And he delivers on it, but because he's the messy messenger, right? Whereas we have a Ron DeSantis who is way less messy and still delivers the same message, right? So we're going to jump ship and go to that other thing? How unchristlike of you. You don't understand the message you're supposed to be delivering every single week. It's not about the messy messenger versus the unmessy messenger. You owe faithfulness to the person who can deliver that message for you and deliver that promise. Doesn't matter about the messiness. Now, I would suggest it does matter that Donald Trump is largely an unrepentant sinner. He doesn't believe that he has done anything wrong in his life for the most part. You you are able to set aside his messiness, right? You set aside his multiple divorces, his philandering, his um, predilections for um, womanizing, shall we say, right? Um, you can set aside all of his bankruptcies. You can set aside all of his moral failings, right? You can set it aside because he's going to deliver or you want him. You want to use him as that vessel to deliver your message to the American people. You want to use that as a, a conduit to make sure that something gets delivered your direction. So his messy messenger, right? The messy messenger is great, grand, freaking wonderful. Until he's done delivering your message? I want people to think about that as we go into tomorrow's show. So with that being said, Pat, um, your final thoughts, because we went way long on some of the things we're going to talk about in the uh, WTF Wednesday, but I can't think of anything more WTF than these two individuals and what they had to say. Back you up on both those counts. Um, but in terms of final thoughts, don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And I want my $5 million already. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.